Chaim came into Home Sweet Home, he was one of the biggest rebels on the street. They threw him out. He was not wanted. And they had good reason. He did tremendous amount of terrible, terrible things. And he really made them crazy. And, um, and he terrorized them. And when I met him, actually, all he had was two possessions, and one of them was a gun. And um, when he gave me the gun, I knew that I could try to have atzlacha with him. And Baruch Hashem, in a miraculous way, Imam had no problem with him. He, he was so easy, and he was so nice, and I saw he was so smart. And he suffered so much before coming in. I didn't know why, I just knew he was a big rebel. And he graduated Home Sweet Home, really, like, in, in such an amazing turnaround. To be Shemitah Mitzvahs, and um, to straighten out his entire life, which was an unbelievable nachas. And he ended up being very much liach bar Hashem. And one day I got a call from Chaim, and he says, Avi, are you in the office? I said, sure, come on over. Middle of the day, middle of work, I was surprised. Comes in, he tells me, I see he's like not himself. He sits down, he says, you know, I, I called home, I said, Mommy, what's new? And my mother tells me, well, you know, everybody in the neighborhood is all excited, the big news, that such and such guy who was arrested for molesting children, they, the judge said there's not enough evidence and they let him free. Everybody's tumbling about that, everybody's excited about that, that he's coming home. And his response to his mother was, Mommy, I gotta go. And he hung up. I see that he has tears in his eyes and they're starting to roll down his cheeks. And he says, how did they let that monster go? So I said, Chaim, how do you know he did it? So he said, he's the first one that molested me. He was seven years old and this guy was in his 40s and he molested him. And that was the beginning of him becoming a totally out of control person that resulted in him being thrown out of yeshiva and throwing out of, thrown out of his home, thrown out of his community. That resulted in him living years on the run. He destroyed his life. And the chiddush really was, how come he didn't tell his mother that? Here, she's telling him, your molester went free and everyone's happy about it and excited about it. And his response to his mother should have been, Mommy, he molested me. Instead, he says, Mommy, I gotta go. Still burying the secret. Still keeping it a secret. Still not telling his parents. They don't know. And I always think, when am I supposed to tell them? Is it my secret to say? They don't know what happened to their tzaddik. They don't know why he acted like a Russia. Like why he was Machal Shabbos and why he was crazy, out of his mind, crazy things he did. You can write a book on it. They have no idea. And even when he's faced with this crazy situation that his mother's telling him about, it, he still didn't admit it. Because kids don't tell. And when you ask them, they don't tell even more. It pushes up a wall and it makes it even harder to find out. In Home Sweet Home, so many of these kids told me that they were abused, molested as children. And they all told me, you're the first person I ever told. And I'm thinking, they've all gone through their nice families, and they went through therapists, and mechanchem, and rabbeim, and experts, and mentors, and psychologists, and psychiatrists, and how come they don't tell? And the fact is, the number one thing that's happening to our kids that makes them behave, and if you look at the symptoms, you'll see it makes sense, 
The f- number one thing is childhood sexual abuse, and they don't tell. That's the biggest problem, and nobody knows about it. And if you ask them, they'll deny it. There's one of our family here, in the TP family, their son, for the last eight years, always tells his parents, ah, they all say, well, the kids who molested, and they, that's why they go after Derek, he's a chesidisha guy. They say, all of us are molested, all of us are, nah, and he denied it, and he spoke about it. He spoke about how they blame everything on, on rape and molestation, nah, it's not true, it's not true. This kid just recently overdosed. The doctor said he had a 1% chance of living. The parents rushed to be by him, and he lived, Baruch Hashem, survived. And it's the first time that he opened up, he was raped from 7 to 11 years old by, by a, a man. And here he is, all these years, whenever it comes up, whenever, you know, deny, 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 deny. They don't tell. Big chesaron of the professional world is that they'll ask, like, you know, what's your name? Where do you live? What this and that? What this and that? Are you allergic to anything? You know, penicillin? You know, like, like a regular question, right? Were you ever molested? No, no, no. And they'll tell the parents, well, he wasn't molested. How do you know? I asked them. They don't tell. They never tell. They don't share. It's so rare. In fact, the ones who do share, that 20% that Dr. Pelkovitz mentioned, they're, they're much healthier. They're healthy that they share it, and they're also not unhealthy because it's their secret. It's the secret that kills kids. So the ones who share it, they share it. The ones who don't share it, it eats them up every single day. It makes them dysfunctional, and they can't explain why, and then they have a whole different life that they live. Because they have to defend themselves and explain, and they have to explain and defend, and the whole thing. They're in survival mode. But I never knew this. I didn't know anything about this. I helped kids in Home Sweet Home, and then one after another, they would open up to me. But when did they open up to me? They never open up during the day. They only open up 3 o'clock in the morning after schmoozing and schmoozing one-on-one, and I'd be thinking, where is this conversation going? It's like the 10th time I'm on the porch of Home Sweet Home having cigarettes and and schmoozing, and everybody, okay, going to go to sleep. And I could see they want to share, and nope, didn't share. Maybe next week, maybe next month. Time, you have to spend so much time with them, not pressure. Just, I believe in you, and I'm with you, and I'm saving you, and I'm helping you, and we save them. They learned that I'm a safe person. They never, they never share during the day, except for this story. It's always at night. They never share with someone being paid. They don't like sharing with someone being paid. For professionals, it's very hard. You have to overcome that, which you will. You'll, but you have to know that that's a battle. People don't like, kids don't like sharing with someone who's being paid. And they never share in a 45-minute session. You, you, but 35 now? Well, you guys have AD, ADD also? A 35-minute session. You need a, a quadruple session. It's not happening. By the time you get, it's their deepest secret. They can't share it. They can't say the words. And, and many times they don't even know. You know how many kids told me? Does my life have anything to do with the fact that when I was six years old, I was molested? They don't even know the connection that that's what made them have ADD. That made them nervous. That that's why they had, they don't even know themselves why they made them hypersensitive and, and, and unable to sleep well at night and therefore to wake up not rested and not be able to focus and not to be able to, they don't even know themselves. They don't even know themselves who they would have been. Happens all the time. Okay? They're not going to do, open up 
unless they're like I don't know you're 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 amazing like Rabbi Shimon Russell he's a, he's a he's a Reife nefesh he can pop the, the he can make a can of Coke open up by looking at it it'll just a little pop off very few very few that's why there's a few therapists that they know what's happening thousands that don't because it's just it's not their fault they're smart people they go to school they don't teach you this in school how to make the person's kishkes feel safe enough to share their deepest secret that they may not even have the connection. Especially if it was traumatic, especially, how do you tell daddy that your brother, right, raped me when I was a child? How do you tell Zaidi should know and eh, leave it alone? He's married now. He said he's sorry. He gave me a lollipop. This, it's so confusing. It's so confusing. So they don't tell during the day. They don't tell someone that's being paid. I'm talking all Baderach Klau. Why, why we're missing the boat on so many kids. There's always exceptions, but they don't tell someone being paid by their parents. They don't trust us. They don't trust adults. One of the hardest things, symptoms, and side effects of sexual abuse as a child is it breaks trust. They don't trust adults. And then when you come home and your parents are upset at you because why didn't you, for normal, I'm talking about not abusive, normal stuff, and you feel like that's what you're upset about? I'm going through, you lose trust in your parents and then you lose trust in Hashem. Where was Hashem? These kids, they dive in thousands of tefillahs before they give up. They tell me they used to say, eight million times, Hashem didn't save me. He was too busy? They can't make sense of it. He was too busy to protect a seven-year-old who all I wanted to do, kids tell me, all I wanted to do was be a good boy. And, and they couldn't do that for me? So it's very complicated. But one of the hardest things is that they don't tell. We have to understand they don't tell, and the only time that they do tell is when things happen, which is in our program, we're beating the odds. Parents are telling me, it takes usually about three years, and I'll get the phone call from parents who listen and really do TP, my kid told me. It's very, very hard for them to share this. They'll deny it and deny it and deny it. 